Hello and welcome to our continuing 2017 educational webinar series. I am Dr. Jill Brooks, Senior Director of Education for First Healthcare Compliance. At First Healthcare Compliance, we help you with a comprehensive compliance management solution tailored to your business, a hospital, hospital network, healthcare practice of any size, billing company or skilled nursing facility. As part of our complimentary educational webinar series, we bring you experts from around the country to discuss relevant topics in the healthcare industry. Our focus this month is on regulatory compliance, ethics, and reputation. We are so pleased to have Spiros Mansovinos of the Engage Company presenting, Is the Reputation of Your Practice What You Think It Is? Spiros Mansovinos founded the Mansovinos Group, a Delaware-based public relations firm offering its clients reputation management, strategic digital communications, issue and crisis management counsel. Spiros and his group are in the process of joining the Engage Company, an organization with highly skilled professionals delivering engagement across all platforms and media types. During uh, nearly two decades of working in public affairs, government lobbying and communications, Spiros has gained extensive knowledge and understanding of how government, media, and politics operate and intersect. Spiros has used his public relations and reputation management experience on behalf of a variety of healthcare clients, such as the Delaware Health Information Network, the Delaware Academy of Medicine, Connections Community Support Programs, and more. Prior to launching the Mansa Venus Group, he managed government and media relations for the Christiana Care Health System, one of Mid-Atlantic's region's largest academic health care providers. In addition to leading the Mansavinas Group, Spiros teaches health care policy and managing crisis communications at Wilmington University. He appeared as a guest commentator on WHYY-TV's first segment, State of Play. He is the past president of the Delaware Chapter of the Public Relations Society of America and the past treasurer of the Delaware Press Association. Go ahead, Spiros. Thank you, thank, thank you for joining us. So again, my name is Spiros Manzavenos. I'm with the Engage Company, uh, digital public relations agency based in Westchester. Um, I've worked in healthcare uh, communications for more than 10 years and in public relations, communications, reputation management for more than 20. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about reputation. Uh, specifically, uh, is the reputation of your practice what you think it is? And today, we're going to focus on what reputation means in today's world, who's responsible for your reputation, why medical professionals should be aware of their reputation, how reputations can be built or lost, and today, how to protect, maintain, and build your practice's reputation can't have a discussion about the importance of reputation without referring to the classic quote from Warren Buffett. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. About that, you'll do things differently. While this quote's been around for some time, the concept still applies uh, more so today than ever. But the biggest difference today is our value of time and the way information travels. When you think about it, Warren Buffett said this when he said this, we were in a world of the 24-hour news cycle. Most people read newspapers and there were fewer television stations. Today's world, reputations are built very differently and ruined very differently. We now live, obviously, in a 24-second news cycle and a world where 20 years feels like an eternity and five minutes is five minutes too long. So when you think about it, everything, thanks to the Internet, is different. News and information travels at light speed, and now, with the Internet, everything lasts forever. 
So, like I said, just said, the concept behind this puppet quote is still um, is still valid. It's relevant more so today than ever before. So it's going to require everyone to work harder and be ever mindful of what goes into a reputation. Today, this is where reputations are built and ruined in fewer than five minutes. There are countless sources and streams of information available to everyone, anywhere, and anytime. Statements, posts, videos, likes, uploads, views, thumbs up, thumbs down, ratings, five stars, two stars, verified, unverified, anything can go viral instantly. Think about some of the recent examples. I can give you some recent examples that have been in the news. Think about United Airlines. <laughs> um, in addition to that video of the passenger being dragged off the plane, there was an incident involving United not permitting a 12-year-old girl to board her plane because she was wearing leggings. United's explanation was it was a violation of its dress code for individuals flying under their employee plan. What made this incident, as well as the incident uh, where the passenger was dragged off the plane, so powerful that these, in that these incidents were reported, and I put reported in quotes, by ordinary people who happened to be there watching it happen. We've all seen the videos and of, of the person being dragged off the plane, and what gets lost in the story about the, the little girl in the leggings is that the incident began when a woman at the next gate over watched and began tweeting about it as it unfolded. Then the coverage of both of these incidents took, you know, came, uh, started from social media and worked its way into the mainstream press and into our collective consciousness. So today, instead of the evening news and Walter Cronkite, I'm kind of dating myself here a little bit, um, we now have a world where everyone can be and is uh, oftentimes encouraged to be a reporter, be a critic, to be a cheerleader, a reviewer, a broadcaster, an influencer. And just think about it right now. From eBay where you can rate, to, rate sellers to Yelp where you rate the restaurants, the way we are networked through all these social media platforms and rating services enable everyone to have a platform and develop a following based on experience, expertise, credibility, or authenticity, or just they're, they're entertaining. So ultimately, all of this affects reputations. And reputations must be built, maintained, monitored, and protected constantly in today's world. So all of this has come to healthcare. And to begin with, uh, I come from the belief that healthcare is personal. It is um, you know, one of the most personal things anyone can share with someone outside of their family. Um, Patients, it, it's a very emotional uh, process. It involves trust. So when a patient begins a relationship with a healthcare provider on something so personal, who that person is, who that provider is, who that you know, who's involved with that practice, who are they, what have they, they done, what are they doing, that all matters today more so than ever. It's a relationship. So how did re reputation become an important part of today's healthcare care world? It has always been, if you think about it, uh, a part of healthcare. A medical professional has always been, you know, considered before a patient makes a decision uh, whether or not to go to that physician, specialist, surgeon, healthcare system. You used to have referrals. People would talk. Um, they would ask questions. They would ask for opinions. 
And those opinions and conversations carried weight, and it, and it had an impact. So let's start with some definitions when we, when we talk about reputation. What do we mean? Well, first of all, this is not going to be a conversation about marketing or advertising. Marketing and advertising is paid promotion, and whomever is paying for it can control the content and the messaging. Nor should we confuse the marketing term branding or brand with your reputation. Brand and reputation are not the same. The term brand talks about what your organization, your company, uh, and now even individuals, what, what they promote, what they promise. It's what, it's what companies uh, say of themselves and tells their customers. When you think of famous brands like Nike and Apple, uh, you think of you know, what they want you to think or try to make you think of what they want you to think. Winning athletes uh, with Nike, cool technology, cutting edge with Apple. They each have recognizable logos and slogans, the Nike swoosh and the Apple Apple. All of those, the logos and the slogans, are part of a paid marketing program, you know, supporting and reinforcing a brand. Reputation, on the other hand, is what others who have come in contact with you or your practice are saying about you. Reputation can help or even hurt your brand. When you start thinking about it, reputation is outside of your control. And with the internet and social media, patient-physician relationships are becoming more and more commercial, and people are looking, just like they look when they buy a service or buy, uh, look for a contractor for their home, they're beginning to view and consider different factors when they're choosing a healthcare provider. So what makes reputation so important in healthcare? Like I said earlier, at its core, navigating the healthcare system is a deeply personal experience for people. Patients and their families experience a wide range of emotions, all while engaging with a system that for many can seem very impersonal and complicated. From patients' perspectives today, they're wading through a maze involving primary care physicians, specialists, co-pays, pharmacies, drug manufacturers, labs, imaging service, all the while trying to figure out, is the service covered? Am I in network or out of network? Can I get an appointment today? Asking, why do I have to fill out the same paperwork again? So in this environment, people today, more so than ever, are looking for clues. They're looking for directions. They're looking for ways to simplify their decision-making process because they're strapped for time. They want the most up-to-date information about the services that they would be receiving and knowing as much as they can about from whom they will be receiving it. People today are, are looking to have information so they believe they are making the best choices. They don't want to be at a complete information disadvantage when it comes to the healthcare uh, environment. In many ways, this has always been a part of the healthcare landscape. Patients and their relatives often ask other physicians and their friends for opinions and recommendations. And again, those carried weight because there was a personal connection involved. But now, that personal connection is moved online. People do their research online to learn about their doctors, their practices, their health systems, their conditions, drugs, uh, and without necessarily a live or real personal connection to an individual or source, uh, this happens at times when you don't know. And this research can be done at midnight, in a coffee shop, anywhere at any time. 
And it's this, it's this information and research that's going to inform and justify their decisions, just as a phone conversation or a simple face-to-face -face conversation with a friend did 15 or 20 years ago. Now, this isn't only about a healthcare practice. Reputation of physicians and healthcare systems have become a major factor in how patients select health systems, too. First, again, patients and their families, I want to make sure their families are included, because they become such an important part of the healthcare um, delivery system, they want to be sure that they are informed. They don't want to be at an information disadvantage. Second, when it comes to healthcare, patients are willing to travel to receive what they believe is the best care, especially when it comes to non-emergency treatment. Just in the Northeast Corridor alone, if you think about it, it's only about a five-hour drive between New York City and Washington, D.C. Think of the number of hospitals and health systems in New York, Philadelphia, Wilmington, Baltimore, and Washington. Plus, think about all the partnerships that are still being formed uh, between these healthcare systems and hospitals in different service lines ranging from cardiology, cancer care, to orthopedics. When you add in people's online viewing habits now, it's easier than ever to get eyes on uh, an advertisement or, or information about a healthcare system outside of your region. Just think you go on Google, a simple online search can easily bring up care options based on your location uh, in your region. And advertisers uh, have shifted away from advertising on television, radio, and print to digital because it is relatively easy, relatively inexpensive, and you can get more eyeballs and more views about your ad because more people are spending greater amount of time on smaller screens um, and that will help them come and find you or find other health systems that are outside their region or their area. So who is responsible ultimately for your and your practice's reputation? There are countless of online platforms and we live in a culture of sharing. Very simply, your patients. They're the ones who will have a story, good or bad, to tell about their experience. There'll be an a direct it will be the direct interaction with your practice, either as, again, as the patient or the family member of a patient, that's going to give them the credibility to tell their story. And that story, their comment, their thumbs up, their thumbs down, a vignette, is going to carry greater weight than any paid advertising um, that, uh, that can be, excuse me, that greater than any paid advertising. And that's not to say that you don't have a role in your reputation. You do. Let me go back to my definition. Your brand is what you say you are. Your reputation is what others say about you. If your brand and reputation match, then things are going to be good. And if your brand and reputation don't match, this is where there's some problems and issues can begin. So let's take a look at some of the areas that go into building your reputation. I know this is obvious. Your clinical skills and your specialty area are the matter the most because that is really what patients are looking for and that's what they need. And although patients are seeking the medical skills you provide, there's going to be other aspects of your patient of the visit that's going to affect your reputation. What was once and uh, to still to some extent referred to as a bedside manner is now talked about in quantifiable terms such as did the physician listen? Was the physician rushed? Were things explained to you in a way that was easily understood? And that's all leading to the X. It's not an X factor, not the television show. 
X stands for experience. And then what type of experience does a patient have when they are um, encountering your services or your uh, or your encountering your service or your practice? And Steve Jobs is one of the first people to find this out and start to apply it to marketing, to design, and commerce today, and it has now moved into healthcare. It used to be, or it is, excuse me, talked about in retail and in uh, service industry that it's the CX, the customer experience, that becomes the driving force for sales and retention, customer retention. Think about it again. Your experiences drive uh, in a brick and mortar store or shopping online. Was it easy? Was it pleasant? Will you go back? In IT, it's the user experience or the UX that's going to that's going to describe the visitor's experience with a website. Again, was the website easy to navigate? Was it usable? Are you going to go back to that site again? Are you going to tell other people about it? If it's a site that you bought something, will you go back and buy again? So now we have PX, or the patient experience. PX is now part of your reputation. So what is your patient's experience now in your office? Beyond clinical skills, the entire patient experience becomes more more important. But not only, again, for the patient, but increasingly for the patient's family and their caregiver. Did they get an appointment convenient to their schedule? Was the office modern and, and, easy and, and convenient? How friendly and helpful was the staff when greeting patients or taking them on the, or talking with them on the phone? Was there a long wait? Did they get a live person on the call quick on a call quickly? And how quickly do I get my test results? I mean, these are simple questions, but these you know these are the things that go into what a patient experiences when they visit you. And this also goes for health systems. According to Hospitals and Health Network magazine, patients with more choices and more of their own money at stake are demanding a more customer-friendly experience, and payers are rewarding providers for keeping patients satisfied. Plus, more satisfied patients are going to be more engaged in their care, and for that reason, more likely to be healthier. And especially for hospitals, good health, good HCAP scores aren't necessarily a guarantee that your patient experience is positive in all ways. McKinsey and Company reported that HCAPs don't measure such things as the patient's understanding of the bill or the quality of food. So maximizing a patient experience then would take more than, and for healthcare systems, more than an HCAP-centered approach, given how much, now, how much now is riding on patients' perception of their care. Here are some quotes that came from uh, a study that was done by AHRQ about patient experience and how it's correlated with key financial indicators and make, showing why it's good for business as well as it's good for patients. Efforts to improve patient experience also resulted in greater employee satisfaction, reducing turnover. Patients keep or change providers based upon experience. Notice there's no mention of, necessarily a mention of clinical skills. One study found patients reporting the poorest quality relationships with their physicians were three times more likely to voluntarily leave the physician's practice than patients with high quality relationships. So this again was something that AHRQ uh, found in its study. There are also some external factors that can affect the patient experience. Like I said earlier, healthcare is complex, it's intertwined, 
and there's going to be factors outside of your control that can directly or indirectly affect your practice's reputation, whether you know it or not. Right now, the state of healthcare is in flux. Practices continue to consolidate, either being bought by health systems and, and long-time community physicians are retiring. Sometimes these changes are talked about in the media, online, or maybe face-to-face. -face. And it's all contributing to an image of the healthcare industry, which you're part of. Health insurance is another factor. You know, what, what, when your practice says you accept or don't accept the type of insurance company, it also speaks about you, not necessarily the insurance company. Also, what health insurance a patient's employer is offering or not offering can influence your reputation. You know, for example, how much of a hassle did they have to go through to change doctors because their, their, their company or their business changed healthcare providers? Or maybe they lost some coverage. And right now, with healthcare reform being in the news as it is, that is creating a, um, creating a heightened level of awareness around providers, pro around providers and insurance and healthcare. And maybe there was a bad experience that a patient had with a different doctor, and they're carrying that experience with them when they're walking into your office. And like I said, healthcare is personal, and people are realizing that it's difficult to keep things private. Regrettably, there are stories a lot of times about data breaches and whether it's uh, with credit cards or with health information. Um, so when, when that, those stories come out there, that insecurity could affect uh, patients as well. And finally, uh, along with the ease and availability of online health resources, patients and their families are quickly jumping online and researching illnesses, injuries, treatments, and drugs before they're visiting you. That amount of information certainly will play a role in what type of uh, attitude and perhaps what type of experience that they're going to have with your practice. Okay, um, definitely going to be dating myself with the Joan Jett reference, and I won't be singing. Uh, but, you know, we, we've talked about what reputation is and isn't, and the factors that build your reputation. And again, like Joan Jett, uh, you do have to know what your reputation is and care about because reputation matters to your current and your prospective patients. Uh, let me go back to what I said earlier. It's easier than ever to get information about nearly everything. In a mobile social world, uh, information is available in instant no matter where we are. According to the Pew, Pew Research Center, the vast majority of Americans, 95% own a cell phone of some kind. And that share of Americans that own a smartphone is now up to is now up to 77 percent, up from just 35 percent in 2011. On top of that, nearly eight out of 10 U.S. adults now own, you know, have a desktop or a laptop, while roughly 50 percent own tablets, uh, and tablets or an e-reader. So the devices are out there; they're mostly mobile, and it becomes important because a physician, the founder of a physician review site once said, anything that can, any time or anything that people spend time or money on ought to be rated. We look at ratings for cell phones, cars, contractors, Uber drivers, and it's now infiltrated healthcare and, how, and affecting how people today are making their healthcare purchasing decisions. But let's remember the audience too. It's not only the patient that's directly involved, but others surrounding the patients again, like their family members and their friends and caregivers. So when we look at it from the patient's perspective, we have to ask ourselves, when, the patient, when, they're, when they or their family or their caregivers are doing research about a specialist or a physician or a practice, 
from a plant medical plan directory, from their health insurance company, or a verbal recommendation, they can't learn anything. They're going to want to have more information. So just it's just if you imagine a patient having a conversation with their son and daughter, and they say that their primary care physician recommended an endocrinologist, what's going to be the first reaction today of that son or daughter or their sibling or the other care provider? They're, for many, they're just going to grab their phone and start to look for information through Google to find out who these people are and get the information they feel they need to make an informed decision. And what I just described, where they just somebody can just grab the car, grab their phone, is what is what's called micro moments. And it's these micro moments where that through mobile devices enable people to access information anytime, anywhere in a moment. So in this and in, in this mobile social world, obtaining healthcare information is that easy. And what makes it most interesting and equally challenging, it's not just really one moment. It's a series of moments that amount to a new reality of, of people's behavior. So back to our story where I was just saying, you know, maybe the son takes the, the, the dad home from the uh, doctor's appointment. They already, he already did a quick Google search in the parking lot walking from uh, the office to the car. Later that night, son's watching television, picks up the tablet that's sitting next to his bed, or next to the, next to his chair, and he starts to review his, you know, resume his search for an endocrinologist or the uh, checking out other endocrinologists in the area or even doing more research on his father's diagnosis. So where are you in these micro moments? Is your practice present, visible, or is it hidden? Is it offering an opportunity to be engaging or helpful, or is it inconvenient and, and does not provide any answers? Is there a review? Did somebody else post about your practice or your your physician on Facebook, maybe, or even online in a review site? Right now, people expect answers and directions in the way, in their own way, in their time, on the device, in the channel they want to use. So, if a micro moment happens and you're not there to engage a patient or a potential patient, then that patient can only act on what they know. Because ultimately, these micro moments lead to what these micro moments enable people to feel well advised. They feel informed, they feel empowered, especially in a complex health system. And I think there's a couple, I mean, and there's one quote here that I think I just want to reiterate. And they say, you know, in this study, that they, consumers, want to make the best decisions without friction as validated by their peers, whether it's the biggest or the smallest decisions. And that is a very important point. People want to feel validated. So this, so getting the information that they need uh, enables them to move forward and make a decision that can be validated. Everyone should be familiar with these names, Health Grades, Vitals, GradeMD, ZocDoc. Um, and this is, these, these sites become probably one of the first access points for information for, for patients and their families to become well-informed well and well-advised. And it's also the place where your reputation uh, is, starting, is now living. Before, if a patient was dissatisfied, their story, experience, or their complaint may have gone to a few people, maybe a spouse, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, or just in casual conversation if somebody asked. Now, there are all these platforms where someone can share an experience, good or bad, and reach into a broader network of people. 
It's also here that people obtain the social proof that they need to justify, guide, or inform their decision. Again, before the internet, there was word of mouth from a friend. Now, just grab a phone and start searching. And very briefly, the review, you know, how do these doctor review sites work? Unfortunately, we're getting to the point where it's the same as an eBay rating, uh, like how eBay rates their sellers or Uber drive rates their drivers. A lot of times, these sites provide information at no cost to the patient. They range from various professional boards that certify doctors to those that are advertising-based or charge fees to doctors, other professionals, or facilities to be listed. Sometimes, these sites can even charge a fee to patients to access the information. And while these sites promise a lot, there are problems that can certainly affect you. you know, for example, if the database isn't kept updated, then you may not know about the most recent track record available uh, to people online. If somebody moved, if, uh, it may not catch up with the site, might not catch up with the move for a year. A malpractice suit may be on there and may be settled, but the results may not show up online for 18 months or more. And sometimes there's unverified feedback. You don't know if a patient actually did, if it was actually your patient that went on there to put a review. There could be also other confusion that can take place if, with physicians with the same name, and there could be some aggressive patients out there who make accusations, but it's out there and it, it makes it very difficult for the physician to counter um, because of due to HIPAA. So, and finally, there's just a very small number of people who are doing the rating. Again, as you can see, but as you can see that the impact these sites have, um, physician ratings can be based on as few as two and a half, uh, on average, are based on as few as two and a half reviews. And those, it's those reviews that are directly supporting the purchase decision uh, of new or prospective patients. And then, again, the impact is, is these sites can have is dramatic. Uh, another study showed 77% of patients use online reviews as their first step in finding a new doctor. Uh, and finally, again, uh, the Journal of American Medical Association uh, revealed in a study it conducted in 2014 uh, that of consumers who parse through online reviews, 35% would select a physician based on positive reviews, while 37% avoided doctors with negative reviews. So when you go to beyond the rating sites, uh, in today's mobile social world, uh, conversations that were once again conducted over water coolers, over the phone, in live, in-person social settings have migrated online, where posts, emojis, videos, reviews, contents, and likes become the conversation. That conversation now takes place anywhere at any time. It can be in someone's living room, at the red light, in your office, in an instant, through Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, and other online platforms. And while you can monitor rating sites, it becomes extremely difficult to know the conversations taking place on social media. And again, social media is where uh, we talk today. Uh, according to another report, 41% of people said social media would affect their choice of a specific doctor, hospital, or medical facility. So what can be done? I think one of the first things that we can look at is try to seek feedback. Protecting and maintaining and building your practice reputation. That should be the slide. Again, I apologize. Um, there are steps that you can take. And the first is recognizing that reputation does matter and that you're going to do something. Understanding what it is and then following through becomes very important. First and foremost, clinical excellence matters. And then 
begin to take a look at yourself and your practice from your patient's perspective. I recommend going through all the places involved with the patient experience from the patient's first contact with your practice, wherever that may be, through the clinical care period to any follow-up. All this matters as you build and maintain your practice's reputation. Seek feedback. It can be done in a number of ways and it doesn't have to take long. You're able to hand a, perhaps, you know, for example, you can hand a card to a patient with URLs listed for key consumer rating sites and ask them to rate you. You can send them an email follow-up with, uh, with a clickable link to the key sites again. Uh, some, can, some would even place a tablet at the front desk and ask patients to post a review just before leaving the office. So there's plenty of ways to do this that can allow you to, if there are any opportunities for a recovery, take place before a person posts online. These simple surveys can identify reputation or problem areas early on and by seeking feedback directly soon after a patient interaction, there's a, there's a high probability that if there is an issue, you can resolve it quickly and offline. So protecting, maintaining, and building your practice's reputation. I think first everyone needs to recognize that as much as we try, we cannot control everything that's on the web. But what we can do is manage, you know, look to manage what can, you can control. So we also, so in that, you have to accept that online ratings and search results and in some cases negative comments are the price we pay today of doing business in the technology age. And what happens with or without, and this is going to happen with or without a physician participating. But again, practices can take steps to balance the scale. First step I would recommend is keeping a website. Have a website. This is a source of truth where you can control the information. And as I mentioned earlier, people are engaging in micro moments. These micro moments happen in elevators, sitting at home, anywhere. So you want to have a place where you can control the information and is viewable on mobile devices and it remains current. And when you have your website, you need to be sure that it's mobile responsive. And what that means is that the website can be viewed easily on a mobile device or a tablet without a user having to pinch the screen to enlarge the image. Now this is important because fewer and fewer people are online using desktops or laptops. And Google knows that. Uh, within the past few years, Google has changed its search algorithm to ignore websites that were not mobile responsive. So going back to my earlier point again about being in a mobile world in micro moments, if someone is looking online for you or your specialty and doesn't see you, you've missed an opportunity and you wouldn't even know it happened. So in addition to making sure that your website has appropriate contact information, appointment information, and, and a way for patients to provide feedback or ask questions, it's really important to make sure that you add engaging content. Content is king. Um, this is a remember, this is a platform you can control, and you want to think about what your patients, their families, or their caregivers want to learn and find out. Now, for example, who's the doctor that will be treating me? What is their training? What's their education? Is there some information about my condition or anything else I need to know before my visit? So it, in addition to that, those basic uh, points, you also, content becomes critical when it comes to search. Having photos, videos, PDFs of white papers are all content elements that Google uses to help increase rankings, web page rankings. And then again, we're back to rankings again. So what else can you do? Well, first, in addition to maintaining an up-to-date website, look to some to some of the review sites that matter to you. Uh, it could be a review site, it could be a health system site. They can, uh, and then encourage your patients to post positive reviews on the, on those sites that matter to you. 
keep your information updated. Um, that is critical. If you choose to, once you select a site, um, make sure that the information that, that about you is current, uh, address, uh, telephone numbers, all that basic information is important uh, so that people can find you when they search and during those micro moments. You want to keep your information consistent. Uh, and this is especially important on a number of fronts, especially when it comes to uh, names. There may be others, there may be other physicians with similar names, but if you go by, let's say, um, Robert on your, on your uh, webpage or Kathleen on your webpage, you want to make that consistent with other sites so as opposed to Bob or Kathy. Then with other information that, that a review site may ask for, it's, it's perfectly okay to copy and paste information maybe from one site to another or information that you've already uh, written. No need to reinvent the wheel and you want to make sure that it remains consistent. You want to make sure that in your, in your posting you, you have a link to your website, again, which is current and consistent with the information on the rating site. Um, so you want to make sure that if people are looking for more information after they go to, you, to a review site, they know where to go. Because unfortunately today, without a, a digital presence on the web, uh, you don't exist. And the, in addition to the absence of information, um, not finding information about you on the web could create an impression that, that you are not being transparent. Um, ask your patients for reviews. Again, I know this is a, a tough uh, maybe maybe tough for some folks, but try to make it as easy as possible. Try to make it as part of the patient visit, um, and maybe they can leave a review before they exit the office. Monitor the web. You can take a few minutes and monitor the monitor the web. Um, Google alerts are a very simple, quick, easy way to um, uh, find out when you're mentioned online, um, and then build in some time maybe weekly or monthly to check on those key sites to see if anything comes up about you. Um, and we'll talk a little bit in a moment about what you can do at that point. But if, and then if worse comes to worse, there are firms out there that, um, that specialize in online reputation management. One of the most important things to also to do is to Google yourself in your practice. You know, understand what's out there um, because, and find out what the source. Is it, is it an online ratings? Is it a blog? Did somebody, is there a news article out there mentioning you? Uh, Google now can search many different platforms and many different sites and sources, and uh, it's important to understand what's being said about you uh, online. Um, and this is not to ignore negative comments. Not ignore the negative comments. Um, I know it's easy to say no one wants to see negative comments online. Everybody gets defensive. Uh, or it's really easy to say, oh, this was a problem patient. But you know, current and prospective patients could see that. Um, so what you want to do is you, you want to acknowledge the complaint. You're not going to apologize for it necessarily, but you need to engage with that commentator and take and it shows that you're taking these posts seriously. If you ignore the comments uh, intentionally under or otherwise, uh, it could communicate that you're indifferent or don't care. Um, so when you do comment or try to resolve it, others who go there will see that you're trying to resolve this and maybe even joining the discussion on your side uh, if the patient who's making the complaint becomes unreasonable. Obviously, you don't want to get into a fight online, uh, and no matter how combative uh, the person posting the review may be, you've got to remain professional in your responses. Uh, the best rule of thumb in, in dealing with online um, 
comments uh, is three responses. Uh, quote, counter, quote, counter, quote, counter, with the intent to get the conversation offline. If you cannot get the conversation offline after about three responses, look to end the, end the discussion. And then finally, you know, in, in any discussion online, uh, you need to be extra careful not to provide any medical details or any other information that may constitute a HIPAA violation. Next, next slide, please. Litigation is the last resort. <laughs> um, I'm not an attorney. Uh, I do work in the court of public opinion. Uh, a lawsuit should be a physician's last resort in handling any defamatory comments online. Uh, legal proceedings often take years uh, and can actually draw more negative attention uh, to the physician or the practice uh, initiating it. Um, and it's important to remember uh, that not all negative online comments or ratings meet the actual legal definition of defamation. Uh, defamation, defamation is generally a factual statement that can be proven true or false. So if, for example, a patient writes that she had a procedure performed by a doctor, this is a statement of fact that can be confirmed or disproved. However, if someone writes about a doctor's poor attitude during a visit, this statement is usually considered to be an opinion which cannot necessarily be proven true or false. And I know there are you know, plenty of examples where physicians and doctors uh, have been successful uh, in litigation, um, but there are also many, many, many more where litigation has taken years generated more negative publicity and have cost uh, the physician and the practice lots of money. Very quickly, I uh, want to discuss that if the impact of data breaches and HIPAA violations, as I'm sure you know medical data now is more valuable than uh, credit or financial data, so protecting patient data is important. Uh, if it is you that have uh, suffers the breach, then you need to be prepared to act quickly, uh, you know, look to make sure that you have a plan in place that they before something happens so you can be compliant in your response. Um, you're also going to want to make sure that you um, uh, look to communicate appropriately, especially with public notice requirements uh, that you have to follow. Um, any breach may uh, generate news coverage or online chatter and you may have to be ready to deal with that. Uh, again, with, with fact, going, going back to my point about factors outside of your control, uh, the breach may occur somewhere else, but your patients may start asking you what you are doing to protect their information. So you need to be aware that um, even though it didn't happen to you or wasn't your your issue, these sort of issues uh, do come back and do come up with patients, um, and they want to make sure that they understand and they, are, they feel safe in knowing that their data is secure. So some final thoughts. Um, you know, today building reputations uh, does take time and it does take effort. Uh, it's maybe not as long as 20 years like Warren Buffett once said, but reputations uh, can be damaged in an instant uh, with a tweet, um, a video, a bad review. So if you approach it with, as an ongoing process then as, as a one-off, one-time task, uh, it becomes easier to maintain and protect your reputation over the long term. Uh, and again, if there's a point where it becomes uh, unmanageable or if there are issues that um, are outside the scope and, and become more contentious and more public and media driven, there may be, an, there may be a need to seek uh, outside uh, professional um, uh, counsel to, to manage the situation. So uh, thank you very much again, and I would be happy to answer any questions. 
Spears, thank you so much. Um, I do have a couple of questions. Uh, you mentioned a lot of things that a practice can do. What would be the first thing you would recommend? Uh, first thing I would recommend is making sure that a uh, practice has a website that is that is current, uh, that is uh, contain that is mobile responsive, uh, and has photos and has the information that patients are going to be looking for. So that is really uh, the first thing, and making sure that the website is done well. I mean that is uh, the equivalent of, of an ad. Um, Websites can be done, you know, very quickly by someone's nephew, uh, or it could be done uh, professionally, and it, people can tell the difference. So I would recommend making sure that all practices have a website that is uh, informative, uh, intuitive, uh, easy to use, and mobile responsive. Uh Doctors and practice managers are very busy. They don't have time to do this between running the practice and seeing patients. Uh, given how important reputation is, how do we work this into our operations? Yeah, no, complete, completely understandable. I mean, um, you know, this is just like any other important practice change. I mean, if it matters, you have to look to make some time into it, uh, time for it. Um, there's some things that you can do, like I said, the automated Google alerts, those take a few minutes to, to set up and you can, uh, they would be automated, so you just set up and they run and you get those email notifications. Um, take a look at the patient experience. Uh, I think that is becoming more and more critical for, for uh, patients, so take a look, you know, what, you know, from beginning to end, what they are, uh, experiencing what they're seeing, how they're interacting with the practice, uh, are there some opportunities there? And I think, um, you know, if there are, if it is a large practice, you know, it may be worthwhile to, you know, outsource some facets of it, uh, you know, either the monitoring or, uh, you know, other uh, way, you know, other reputation management uh, uh, functions. Okay. Uh, last question, how can I measure what my reputation really is? Now that's uh, yeah. So that that's a that's a good one. I mean, um, it, it, it's going to take time, and, and you got to look at all the different uh, things that are involved. Um, uh, ultimately, um, what you read, what you see online, um, will give you a pretty good indication. And that the bottom line is going to be: Are you seeing an increase or a decrease in, in patients? Uh, is your, I mean, are, are, are you getting more referrals? Or are you getting fewer referrals? Are people leaving the practice? I mean, those are some very basic, uh, I would say, basic business cues to kind of give someone a sense of what, uh, you know, what the reputation is and what the what impact they may be, they may be having. Okay. Well, um, thank you, Spiros. Thank you so much. Um, again, so, uh, for any further questions, please use uh, Spiros' contact information there on the screen. Uh, if you send us questions, I will forward them on to him. Please register for our future webinars. Uh, if you want to request a demo of our compliance solution on our website at 1sthcc.com or call us at 888-543-4778. Thank you so much for joining us today and have a wonderful day.